0: You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. (laughs) Hey guys, producer Darren here. Have you heard? Cindy Stewart has a new book. It's called New Moves of God. This book will open your spiritual eyes to see what God is doing so you can position yourself to be part of one of the most significant invasions of world culture in kingdom history. It will empower you to step into God's moves as he releases new anointings and new assignments that will far surpass your wildest imaginations. If you're a listener of her podcast, I'm sure that caught your attention. You can get your hands on that book right now. Just visit cindy stewartcom or check out the link in the description or show notes. Again, that's cindy stewartcom the Cindy Stewart podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Today we're going to talk about pushing on an open door. Have you ever pushed on an open door? What happens? You go all the way through, right? And we're going to talk about the season that we're in, that there is an open door that God has provided for us to push so we can go through what he has for us. Um, So, yes, I want the open door. Amen? Okay, I'm going to need some feedback today because it's just my day of needing feedback, right? So you are going to have to hallelujah and I agree and all that good stuff. You know, and... (laughs) Then we'll have a practice run and uh, we'll go from there. Well, I will tell you that we know that the heavenly realm is open right now and it's open differently. Matt mentioned it uh, when he was up here because there is uh, almost like a flood of heaven occurring. And that's what we're experiencing right now. And it's difficult to put into words, even as several people have mentioned Friday night. And if you weren't here Friday night, I just want to share a little bit on it because go back and watch it if you weren't here. Because it, it, it will translate through, through the YouTube. It may not be exactly the same because you're not in person, but it will translate through. But, you know, one of our mandates here is we are to connect people with Jesus, Right. And when we connect them with Jesus, they go through a process of transformation. We've all been processes of transformation. I have, you have, we all have. And as we're transformed, we are positioned in the place that God has for us to be for that season. And there will be times where, you know, there was a time where I was a corporate executive and, and now I'm a pastor of a church and do some corporate work on the side. You know, there's there's different season where God moves us in different ways. And, uh, you know, so many times it's much easier to stay where we are because we know where we're going. But when we lean into what God has, we may not we may not know where we're going, but we know wherever we're going, it's going to be good. And and that's part of this pushing through an open door. Because God has things for us on the other side of this door that we do not understand. I'm going to tell you, Friday night, I do not understand what happened. (laughs) And I would love to give you a theological dissertation on it, but I don't understand it. But what I do understand is God showed up. And he did things that he wanted to do for the people who came, the people who watched online. And then we all went home. And it's interesting because one of our challenges as a people is we have to get past our mind in order for the spirit to lead us. And, you know, we're worshiping Josh and Lyndon here leading worship and and we have communion and and all of a sudden something shifts in the spirit realm. And the whole time I'm up here, I'm feeling this breeze swirling around me. And I'm glad you said that. And especially around my knees. And then someone bumps into me, but I turn around and no one's there. And I knew it was angelic. When I realized there was no one there, I knew it was, you know, I could feel that brush. And the Lord kept showing me this portal, which is not a word that I use normally, but this slosh pool right in front. So I scoot up in it and then I'm like, Chuck, I think there's something going up here. You scoot up here with me and you see. So we scoot up there with me and the Lord's like, maybe you should invite everybody up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, we're going to jump over my brain. That's trying to figure out what's going on. Why is it here? Why is it not there? You know, there's lots of questions. I always have lots of questions, but so I say it and then, you know, people come up and uh, Deb jumps up and she's like, you know, there's an angel back here, right? I'm like, yes, I forgot that part. I forgot the angel part. And, but then God takes us through this process. And as I'm praying for Gene, I said, Gene, I, I think you, you got a word. He says, no. I said, well, you're going to. We'll just wait. Because, because the Lord is revealing It's like, Matt, we were waiting because I was waiting on Matt this morning because I knew he had a word, but I couldn't get him to look at me to say, hey, Matt, come on up, come on, come on down. So sometimes God just wants us to be patient enough to wait. Whether it's in the silence, whether it's in the worship, whether it's just in the, the stillness of the morning or the night. He wants us to learn how to wait and not get so impatient because we're ready for the next thing because we're too nervous to wait on what the thing is he's asking us to wait on. Because our mind wants to figure it out. This morning there's silence. Well, there's a holy hush. Okay, God. So whatever you're going to do, we're going to wait on. And, and that is, I think, the biggest challenge for us as a people, because we are fast people. We drive fast. We talk fast. We have our phones. We have our, you know, we, we're always moving. But God is teaching us to pump the brakes and wait for him to open the door that we're going to walk through that we have no clue of what's on the other side. And so we go through this whole thing, and you know, we think we're about done. Gene's about done. He's given a word on Friday night. And then all of a sudden, Deb comes running up again. Oh, I, I got something. I got something. So then this whole fire of God begins to release in this river as people line up. It's like an old timey fire tunnel that was not the fire tunnel, it was something else. And God just starts imparting, imparting, imparting. And I don't know what he did with everyone who came, but I know that he did something. And one of the things we've got to learn is to steward the encounters that we have so that we move forward in what God's doing and not just say, that was a great Friday night, maybe I'll come next month. And um, I will tell you, and I, I told everybody Friday night, Chuck and I had a hard time sleeping Thursday night. I even had nightmares, and I had a demon show up, and I'm like so mad because he interrupted my sleep. I wasn't afraid; I was ticked off, because I'm like I got. I told Chuck it was 4:11 in the morning. I told him I said we cannot get up. We have got a long night ahead of us. We have got to go back to sleep. Oh, uh, go back to sleep. But part of that is in me saying that is like B said it would be so much easier. For us to call out because we're too tired to come in. But uh, it's not actually an option for us. But, but. But there are times where you're just like, I'm so tired. I would rather just stay home and lay on the couch. But God is like, you can stay home and lay on the couch, or you can come and get what I have for you, but you won't get it laying on the couch, and I will restore your energy and renew your strength to come and get what I have for you if you'll just press in, if you'll just press in. And this is not uh, any message of, of guilt or anything like that. I'm just trying to explain that there is a realm of heaven that's being released in a corporate anointing that we have to contend for. We have to fight like um, uh, Caitlin said, you know, the flesh of the enemy that's lying to her. Sharon was talking about, I, you know, I was just so tired. I didn't think I could make it be like the enemy saying, go back to bed. Yes. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Because the enemy wants to get us to surrender to our flesh Instead of overcoming the obstacles so we're able to walk into what God has for us. And our mandate here is to follow the spirit in whatever he wants to do. And whatever time that takes, whatever interruption that is, whatever awkwardness that causes, that's just what we're going to do. And um, that's just what we're going to do. I mean, we literally... For who I am and who God's called me to be, I have no other choice. And I have to see what God's going to do, because I can come up with a great plan. I can come up with a great word. I can come up with a great worship set. But what I want is the spirit anointing on it, or I'd rather not come up with anything, right? And I spent a lot of years in a programmed environment. And it's very comfortable being programmed because you know what you can expect in 70 minutes. Songs, prayer, word, you're gone. Lunch. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I'm called to do. And it's not, if you're sitting here, then that's not what you're called to do. Because you could probably... You know, be at the door at, the, at your favorite restaurant about now. You, you, we would have covered everything. And um, I was thinking about, there's a couple important things I want to share. So I'm going to try not to meander all over the place. But, you know, I've spent probably the last 25 to 30 years learning how to follow the spirit. You don't learn how to follow the spirit overnight. You learn how to follow the spirit by following the spirit. By dying to whatever it is you want to do and being pushed, being uh, nervous about what you're about to do and just being willing to be wrong about what you're about to do and being willing to be told you're wrong about what you just did (laughs) and hopefully learning from what you just did. But I remember about 20 years ago, I know you guys remember this when we had the what would Jesus do badges, you know. What would Jesus do? Bracelets. Yeah, we all had them. Stickers on our cars. What would Jesus do? And I, as why that popped into my head, I was like, what's up with that guy? He's like, well, it's hard to know what I would do if you don't know who I am. And we are struggling with a body of believers who can be legal to the word, but they can't be faithful to the presence. And, and that is our struggle right now. We want to understand something that is beyond our understanding until we experience it. And even after we experience, we can't understand it. But what we know is that God is real and he is real in the word and he's real in the manifestation. And we have to learn the word with the spirit in order to follow him where he wants to take us. In order to walk through that open door and not have rocks block it. Have you ever pushed open a door and there's like little pebbles under there and it hesitates? Those pebbles are the things we've got to get rid of. So that door swings open wide for us. We have got to get rid of the pebbles. And part of those pebbles are our own lenses that we are looking through in order to Understand what God is doing when we don't actually have a clear perspective. So, is that enough for today? <laughs> oh, I've just begun. So, y'all might as well just uh, text and tell me your lunch reservations will be late. <laughs> because I think it's so important right now. Right now, I feel like doctrine is being slapped upside of the head. Because God is wanting us to know Him. You know, when we started our church, we came from I was Baptist, then Presbyterian, and then I'm the gathering. So it's a big leap. I'm telling you, it's a big leap. But when we started our church, they're like, What are you? I'm like, What do you mean? Well, what dom- denomination are you? I'm like, We are nothing. That's why I kept telling people, We are nothing. All I'm trying to be is a Jesus follower, and I'm trying to detox from the doctrine that tells me something other than the word. And, you know, one of the biggest things we fought in the Presbyterian, when we were Presbyterian, was, is Jesus Lord? That was one of the biggest debates we had. Is Jesus Lord? Is he the only way? And I remember feeling so confused. And I'm on the board trying to debate Jesus as Lord. I'm like, I don't understand. We are Christians. We are following Christ who makes us Christians because he is Lord. No, it doesn't really work that way. I'm like, I literally, I was confused. And I would go to my presbytery board meetings. You know, I was on the whatever, uh, which I thought was a, a, great honor. But then I realized I was tormented on that board. Because the, it was it was like having the Republicans and the Democrats. And the big debate was, who is Jesus? Is His word really true? I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're saying. How did I get here? Finally, I resigned. After a couple of years, I was like, I can't do this any longer. My, My time is not spent debating what the word says in the basics of theology. That Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. His blood paid for everything. I cannot debate those things because it says in the word it's true. So what am I reading? and why are you debating that with me and they're like well we're doctorates of this this i'm like what about the word i was so confused i felt like i was five years old going what what's the abc's what i just could not i could not get it in my brain and i believe that this is a cleansing that the church is going through we have been taught things. Like I said, I was brought up Baptist. So, you know, when my grandmother used to pray for me at night, she'd say, Jesus, protect her from the devil taking her. If the devil takes her, then make sure she gets to heaven. I'm like, every night I was terrified as a kid. I slept with, with extra clothes under my blankets, and I would put my blanket over my head thinking if the devil came, he wouldn't be able to find me because there was other stuff around. I did not get it. I did, but, you know, I'm five or six years old, you know. And so I had to detox from that because the words says you know so we're going through a, a time of detox and in order for us to detox then we're going to have to know the word and we're going to have to not read the word through the filter of our past but through the purity that the Holy Spirit is giving us right so uh, so we I want to talk a little bit about a lot of things but we're going to talk a little bit about Acts 16, and I'm going to read the first part out of the Passion Translation because my point today is in order to push on a door that's already open for you, we're going to have to learn how to follow the Spirit and get our mind to follow the Spirit, our emotions to follow the Spirit, so He is always in the lead and everything else is coming up behind Him, right? So I want to talk about pushing through this open door. And like I said, the very first part of this, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because there's something specific I wanted to point out in this. And Noah should have it in the Passion Translation up there. Yes. Okay, it says the Holy Spirit uh, had forbidden women. Let me go backwards. Sorry, I went I went beyond myself. Okay, so it's Acts 6, 16 and uh, starting in verse 6. The Holy Spirit had pre- forbidden Paul and his partners to preach the word in southeastern provinces of Turkey. So there was not an open door for him there. Now how many try to push open the door that God has closed for you? Because you think that the enemy has closed it when God's foot is up against the door And you're like, get off of it, enemy. Why won't it open? And it's because God's like, because it's my foot that stopped it. Quit shifting everything to the enemy and discern what is the spirit saying to you. So they ministered throughout the region of central and west central Turkey. When they got as far as the borders of uh, Messiah. No, that's not it. Messiah. They repeatedly attempt to go north in the providence of Bithynia, but against the spirit of Jesus, I'm sorry, but again, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. So, so they're stopped. They're stopped. But this is the part I wanted to really point out to you. Um, so they're stopped and they, they cannot go where they think they're supposed to go. Now, we call that transition in our modern days but we're like I'm in transition I don't know where I'm going I don't know what I'm supposed to do well that may seem to be the truth but the truth is the holy spirit always is with you to guide you where you might want not might not know where you're going and what we think is a pause our brain begins to process all the things that aren't going right Instead of processing, Holy Spirit, I'm leaning into you. And if you've got to pause on this, then I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing until that door opens. And that door does eventually open for Paul. That door to Asia does eventually open for Paul. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I'm going to skip down to, um, I think, verse uh, n- nine. It says, While staying there, Paul experienced a supernatural, ecstatic vision during the night. Now, the reason I wanted to read it out of the Passion Translation was because of that phrase. In the New King James, it says a vision. Uh, in other versions, it says a dream. But the Holy Spirit visits Paul in the night. And he gives him a picture of what is to come. And there is an importance of writing down what occurs in the night in your dreams uh, what you sense the spirit is speaking to you. I was telling, um, Chuck the other day that I took a nap, um, and twice I woke up and both times there was a different fragrance when I woke up, I woke up, there was a fragrance, I went back to sleep. I woke up. There's another fragrance. God was speaking to me in those fragrances. I could have said, oh, that's interesting. But we got to learn to steward what is happening to us so we know the open door that's been put in front of us, right? So a man from Macedonia appeared before him pleading with him. You must come across the sea to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had this vision, we immediately prepared to cross over to Macedonia, convinced that God himself was calling us to go and preach the wonderful news of the gospel to them. so Paul goes there and then all of a sudden we've got Lydia, whose household is saved we've got the uh the encounter with the girl who was uh, had a spirit of divination on her I, we have all of these occurrences that have happened because he was able to say my open door is in Macedonia and though I long to go here the door has been open for me to go there and out of that open door comes a flood of ministry the uh, jailer and his whole household is saved and throughout this experience in Macedonia there is Supernatural occurrences not the same, because Lydia, heart is moved, gives her life, her family's saved. The spirit of divination has captured this girl, owns her, she is delivered and set free. The jailer, an earthquake happens. Now if we felt an earthquake, we'd be going, "Oh my God, what are we going to do? There's an earthquake. God, are you in the earthquake? You know, we have to understand when there are occurrences that are happening, they're not going to be the same. We're looking for a pattern, a stamp of the same process over and over again. So we can get comfortable with the God that is an uncomfortable God because he's got something different for every situation we're in. But we are looking for the door to be exactly the same. We're looking for the door to be easy. Well, when Paul went to see Lydia, it was easy. But when he went and encountered the uh, girl with the spirit of divination, no, he was thrown in jail and beaten. We encountered the jailer with the earthquake. He was nurtured and cared for and his wounds were bandaged. So in every situation, we have to understand that God is a God for the unique situation we're in, not for the comfort of how we're going to feel as he sends us through the open door. He is not trying to comfort us. He's trying to move us into position so that when we get there, the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And what we have to do is get our, our preconceptions. We have to get our wrong doctrine. We have to get our fear of moving forward and our desire to control the situation. And I know we all have that desire to control the situation because it's nice to know what's it going to look like when we get to the other side. It's a natural part of who we are. So um, I just want to skip over. We're not going to read the rest of those Acts ones, but Paul does make it to Asia. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, this is where he talks about his Acts 19 experience in Asia. It says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has been opened to me. But there are many adversaries. So just because a door is open doesn't mean we're not going to get resistance as we walk through the door. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people that come against us. There aren't going to be circumstances that are difficult for us. But what it means is that God has opened the door and he will help us get through every adversary, every difficulty if we understand who sent us, not who's against us. We spend so much time worried about the adversary. And we forget about the king of kings that crushed the head of the enemy. And that has given us power and authority to do the same. We're so busy looking at what is the enemy doing. That we forget that God is doing This amazing thing in the enemy is just trying to imitate or isolate us or deceive us into thinking that if we don't go to church today, we'd be better off taking a nap. Paul pushed through the open door. And met the adversities ahead and his adversities are not ours. The odds of us being put in a jail and beaten with a rod are slim to none. Unless we're going to head out to a third world country that are specifically persecuting Christians. Because where we live, that's just not the first option. It doesn't mean we don't have other adversarial things that happen toward us. But being beaten and put in jail is probably not going to be one of them. But encountering someone with the spirit of divination probably is. And we have to understand what is our call to that. He did not cast that out immediately. He took a little time. There were several days that went by before he finally said enough is enough. You're going to have to stop. And by the power of Jesus, you will stop. And they did stop. So we have to steward what God is doing in the moment. In order for us to be able to see what God is doing in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things. uh, I'm just going to say this out loud. But one of the things that has really been driving me crazy is. The uh, fear mongrel that is released when something happens. And I'm going to say that toward the banking situation that happened out in California. I have seen more posts and more things written about the total collapse of the financial market. And yes, we can agree that there is an economic strain on our country right now. We can also agree that according to the last declaration we just made, that God is the God of abundance. He is the one who will teach us and show us how to protect what he's given us. He is the one that we can declare his name over the financial economic systems of our nation. You know, are we complaining or are we interceding? Are we taking authority? I don't have any authority over the bank. I don't work for the bank. Sure, you do. Do you have money in the bank? That gives you authority over the bank, that gives you authority over the financial system. So we've got to realize that I'm not afraid of what's going on out there. I'm aware and I'm in tune. But when something goes wrong, it is Him that I go to. If something's out of sync, God is my first source. I don't look to see what CNBC is saying, or even Fox, or even whatever the latest, you know, great Epoch Times, or whatever it is. I don't look at that. I look and say, God, what is your word for this situation? What does your word say? What can I read out of your word to declare over this situation? We've got to learn to battle with the sword of the Spirit We've got to learn to battle with the breath of God speaking into us so we know what to do. We cannot run afraid of what's going on out there. So uh, I'm going to read uh, one other set of scriptures. We're going to read Ephesians 4 verse 11. And I just want to talk through that for one second uh, because uh, I'm just going to. I have a reason, but let's not, it's not necessary. It's superfluous at this point. 4, 11. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to stop there. That is what we do. We equip each other for the work of the ministry. So we become matured and perfected in Christ. And as uh, we were doing our fast, one of the things the Lord was talking to me about is part of the reason we're able to. um, I don't know what the right word is, but we're able to function as the family of God is because we function in the administration of God. Because we all have a place here, we all have a position in the body, we all work in unity toward each other, we're all going after what does the word say, what does he want us to do, we're all open to the move of the spirit, you know, we are not pushing against the Holy Spirit, and that gives us room to really be a family. So that that's the first thing I want to talk about. The second thing is, is the second part of this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, every wind of doctrine. You know, if you say, God, as I read the word, do a checkup on me. And if there's something in me, that doesn't align with your word. Whether I've learned it from my family. Whether I've learned it through the multiple churches I've been through. Whether I've misinterpreted something. If there's something in me. That doesn't align. And it's, it's not in order. With your word. Take it out. Let, let my lenses be changed. We read the Bible. Based on what we already think. You know that right? We have a lens that we read scripture through. You know, one of the biggest uh, challenges I went through when I was getting ordained, um, first of all, I had to decide that women could preach. That was a big thing because being brought up Baptist, we we were supposed to cook and I can cook. But uh, so that was a thing. Though our church believed in it, I personally had to go through a process of trying to decide what does the word say? This is what I'm taught. This is the scripture they focus on. What does the word say? The second thing I had to go through was we were Calvinist at my Presbyterian church. And I'm being ordained by someone who Arminius. So they're like, how can we ordain you when you're under a Calvinist? And I had to do this, and if you don't know what that is, it's okay. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter, and don't look it up. But what I'm telling you, because, you know, we've got Lutheran influence, we've got Catholic influence, you know, we've got a lot of influence. Uh, Assemblies of God, there's a lot of influence here. But um, what I had to go through is, what does the Word actually say about each one of these? And in some ways, the two of those actually conflict With each other saying that the word says this and the word says that. So if you believe this, then this one's wrong. Well, all that's to say is God is not a denominational God. He is a God of God. His word. He is. He. I'm sure that when this whole denomination started, you know, back with uh, what's his name? Uh, Long, long time ago. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, No, uh, like way before then. Uh, Anyhow, it'll come to me in a minute, probably while I'm eating breakfast. But um, when, you know, I'm sure Jesus was like, I didn't die on the cross so you could cherry pick what part of the gospel you wanted to interpret that makes you okay. I died on the cross so that. Sinners could be saved so that you could become a new creation, so that you could walk in authority and power, so that you could live in eternity with me. That's why I died on the cross. And as leaders of anything, there will be a greater accountability for what you led. So, uh, like I said, I went through that whole process. And uh, so, like when we started the church, people say, what are you guys? I'm like, "We're, we're nothing but Jesus followers. And you can look at what we do and say we're charismatic. You can look at what we do some days and say that we're evangelicals. You can look at what we do and you can call us whatever you want. But all we are is God chasers that want to live in the purity of the word. And we are not perfected yet. But all I know is that. God has got to be God and we have got to learn to read the word through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and allow him to debunk us from all of the things that have infiltrated what we understand in the word. Amen. Okay, so we'll finish this up. We're not going to be tossed around. We are not going to be tossed around. We're not going to be cured by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. No, because we have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And the one thing I've heard lately is, well, you know, because we've got the deliverance movie. We've got the Jesus revolution. We've got uh, what's the other thing called uh, the chosen. We've got this. We've got that. And I hear so I've heard this quite a bit lately. Well, you know, the enemy comes as an angel of light. I'm like, well, if you know who Jesus is, then you'll recognize that the angel of light is really the angel of darkness. So really the bottom line of this message is, is we've got to know who Jesus is. We've got to be willing to move in the spirit and move in the word. We've got to marry the two. So we're not intellectual, intellectual wordies, but we're spirit filled, born again, word living, spirit, believing, people of God. Amen? Okay, that should wrap it up. I probably could just preach for another hour, but uh, somebody's going to have to turn on the air if I do, I don't know why I wear sweaters even in the winter. I'm like, jeez, help me. But I really do believe that's what God's doing. He's, he's gently washing us, and sometimes he's put us in the heavy-duty cycle, because there's some stuff that's got to come off. We, we've got to grab a hold of the word And the spirit and we have to have experiential encounters with God, both individually and corporately, because if you spend all your time in individual encounters, then there's no testing of what has happened in your life when you won't step into a corporate environment, right? We cannot island manifestations of God. We have to be a corporate body that participates in it. Amen. Okay, let's stand, because we're going to push open that door today. It's already open. I mean, push it, push it. I went to the hospital the other day to see Candy, and, you know, they don't push open the doors. They just have a button now, and it automatically opens for you. So Jesus is our button that opens the door for us. And all we have to do is walk through. We don't even have to do that weird hand thing. The hand soap that they have. We just go through and know that we're cleansed by the blood. Right? So Father we just thank you. We thank you. That the word is pure. And it is holy. And the word became flesh. And it dwelt among us. And and that in all of that. You have given us your spirit. To live in one with you. John 17 says that Jesus says, Father, I am in you, you are in me, they're in us, we are all one. So thank you, Lord. And I am asking you, Father, for all of us, for me, if there's any uh, wild doctrine that doesn't belong with the word of God, that you'll just highlight it for us. And as we release that doctrine, the clarity of the word is so crystal clear That we will be awakened to an understanding that we hadn't known before. You you tell us that we carry the mystery of Christ in us. And that the mystery is being revealed in this hour. So that people all over can see the wonder and the beauty and the holiness. And the uh, absolute brilliance of Jesus our Lord and Savior. And that's where our eyes are. Our eyes are on you Jesus. Our eyes are on you. Everything we do, Jesus, we run it through your parameters first, Lord. And we know that the Holy Spirit will lock the door we aren't supposed to go through like he did with Paul. And he will throw open the door of great wonder and opportunities in the ones we're supposed to. So God, fling that door wide open. And if there are pebbles in our way, you show us what they are so we can get them out and get moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stuart.com. We'll see you next time.